Hey there everyone, my name is Rohan Sams. And my name is Daniel Olaya, and we'd like to welcome you to the Aerospace Medicine Podcast. Today's episode is a newsflash. We're taking eye-catching news stories in the field and bringing you some of the science behind the headline. So this is a little bit different from the sort of stuff that we've done on previous episodes. This is more about looking at something that's interesting and has sparked our interest and give it a little bit of the light and recognition that we think it deserves. Exactly. And I think it's hugely important, actually, because you get a lot of fleeting stories and you know, fleeting news articles on social media and on the news mm. and you know on the internet. And actually, it's hard to you know consume all that information. And actually, hopefully, with this, you know, we can really lay some of the science out for you to make it nice and consumable and really quick and quite entertaining. Yeah. But on top of that, we want to really know what you think. Do you like this sort of thing? Would you like the shorter style of episode? Or do you guys prefer the longer, more in-depth and intense episodes where, you know, we're interviewing somebody who's you know, possibly one of the top people in the game? So please just let us know through the comments and the reviews, et cetera, et cetera. We really want to listen to your feedback and improve as much as we can. Mm. So Rohan, what's the story today? I am so glad that you asked. So today we're going to be talking about an experiment that was sent up to the International Space Station in March of 2020. And that experiment was called Organoid Formation from Human Cells. Organoid Formation from Human Cells. It sounds like something from Alien. What is it exactly? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So essentially what they're looking at is that they're taking stem cells, so these are cells that can divide into multiple different cell types, and growing them in space to see whether or not they can form a viable piece of human tissue. And what we mean by that is something that can actually act and function like a tiny little organ, say a heart or a liver or a kidney. That's, that's essentially what we're trying to look at. Um, the reason they're trying to do these particular experiments is because... Obviously, on the ground, we've got huge problems with regards to organ transplant risk. There's a lot of people on the list and not enough organs. And we're trying to look at more innovative ways of being able to produce organs. And one of them is the idea of producing these organs in space. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I mean, when you said that, I had this picture in my head of organ farms and hearts <laughs> and kidneys being grown in, in outer space. I mean, it's, it's incredibly a, a sci-fi you know, concept, you know, thinking about the whole oh, yeah. idea. Um, and... What do you mean by, by things collapsing in on themselves and, and producing bigger organs? What, what do you mean by that? Okay, so the collapsing in on themselves, we'll get to in a second. But yeah, the organ farm thing is definitely something that's a potential thing that we want to maybe pursue as, as an option in the future. I just want to preempt that this is a experiment which is being done mainly as a test of concept as opposed to actually being completely viable. Or There's not actually a load of hearts and lungs and all the, all the other stuff being grown in space at the moment we're just this is just an experiment to try and see whether it is something to be able to pursue so really right now the idea of trying to regenerate or grow new organs is nothing new we've been trying to do it for years and years and years but it's been a little bit tricky because of various different things one of the things is that when you try and grow a bunch of cells in say a bottle or wherever it is they kind of settle down at the bottom so the cells which are they're grown in this culture medium which is all of the nutrients the cell needs but as you can imagine, if you're growing a bunch of cells in one bottle of medium and every cell sinks to the bottom, then the cells which are right at the bottom of that bottle will no longer get any of the nutrients anymore, right? So those cells can die and that's because all of those bunch of cells aren't organized into a particular structure. So that's one of the difficulties that we're facing. And the other thing as well is mm. that you mentioned about the organs collapsing in on themselves. And the reason why that happens is because um, there's no scaffolding or it's very difficult to be able to produce a scaffolding which can 
hold and retain its proper form when we're trying to produce mm. it on the ground. So the reason why we're using space as an environment is because obviously in space we have no gravity or we've got microgravity environment. And the idea is that if we eliminate gravity from the equation, will the cells now form into something that we want? And then if they do, then we can maybe think about scaling that up to a larger scale experiment as well. Mm, understood, understood. Again, the, the way I'm thinking about that is when it comes to cancer and say you have a, a tumor growing incredibly fast, the center of that tumor may get necrotic and start dying. And I can see, mm. I guess with the organs, it may work in the same way if there's no structure, if there's no way of nutrients actually getting to that center, which may be very important in certain organs, then it's going to die and it's just not going to grow. On the ground, it's, it's hard to form organs because they struggle for the structure and they sometimes collapse under their own weight. So they can't grow beyond a certain size. So yeah, obviously on the ground, organs do grow, right? Like a baby's organs will grow and, you know, the same thing happens in animals. So like I mentioned, there's been a few different options. One is that you can take a scaffolding, like make a scaffolding of say a heart and try and seed it with heart cells. But that gets very complicated and very difficult because it's not just the cells of the muscle of the heart. You've got the nerves and you've got the blood vessels, which supply everything. And you need to make sure everything is working and the circuitry is all connected properly and working properly. Um, and that's very difficult to be able to model on a little seed format. Uh, or, or a scaffold format. And also these scaffolds could, you know, what exactly are they made out of? And does the material, say, if it's a plastic, for example, will that react or interfere with the way that that organ wants to develop? Like those are some of the things that are the problems with the current methods that we're using. So the idea is that if we can send these things into space, will they automatically form the way that we want them to form? And uh, that's really what we're trying to investigate with this experiment from the University of Zurich. Sure, yeah. And I, I guess the, the key component of this is the microgravity and what this does for growing cells and growing tissue. Oh yeah, absolutely. But what is significance of this? So what does it mean for us as humans on the ground? On earth? What does it mean? What does it have to do with anything? The main thing that really it means is if we can prove that we can actually grow some sort of viable tissue in space, something that we've not been able to do on the ground, then that means that we can maybe look at um, larger scale experiments to be able to see whether, okay, we've grown this this thing in a 10 by 10 by 10 centimeter cube, um, but can we now expand this experiment and actually grow something bigger and something that eventually could be transplanted into a human on a, say, they've got end stage kidney failure and say we can grow a kidney into space and can we get that back down on the ground in a safe way and be able to transplant that into that human so that we can potentially save or improve the quality of somebody's life that's actually what we're aiming for obviously that's really really far away but it would be really cool and an innovative way of utilizing a different environment mm. for a purpose that's never been envisaged before this this is truly astronomical this is <laughs> that's terrible that's shocking hey that, oh, come on God. it is that that's that's shockingly bad. Okay, gu guilty. I'm guilty. But but the the potential of this, anybody can see it. And yeah, uh, I think you know just, just the whole uh, idea of it is is just so exciting. It really reminds me mm. of a film called the the Repo Men, whereby there was mass scale industrialization of creation of metallic organs so that there was metallic pancreas there was a metallic heart and people would pay for these and often people wouldn't have money to to pay for it so they would get a loan and then after the two years 
they would need to pay for the whole thing. And if they couldn't, the repo men would come and collect it. Actually, Jude Law's in it. Uh, he's a great actor. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, this ended up with a whole lot of ethical issues. You know, people paying for certain, for certain things, you know, people not being able to pay for certain things, you know, there being a waiting list. If you have unlimited supply of industrialized organs, then what happens with the ethical part of it? And that's, that's something hugely important. You know, we get into the stage where we're able to do this or we're thinking about doing this. And if, if this actually does work, that gives us a lot more questions. Yeah, well, I think, to be honest, mate, I think it solves a lot of more problems than it actually raises, I think. Obviously, you've got the issue of who gets first dibs on these particular organs. Um, that's a big thing. And are they as safe as something that's being grown in a human and is being donated or however it may be? But right now, you're very right. We've got, I don't even know the number, maybe thousands at least people who are on organ transplant waiting lists who are very, very ill and die in need of an organ transplant to be able to save their life. But where's the line? Where is the line? We're talking about growing organs here. What about growing humans? I mean, it's the natural step. It's the natural step. (laughs) I don't think we're going to go humans in space, but it's a really interesting thing that you mentioned. Um, We learned about this on the PASM course. There was these, I think it's tissue chips. I think that's what it's called, where you've got literally what is essentially a mini heart or a mini liver or whatever it is, which is being grown on a chip and you can add in various chemicals, et cetera, to it to see how that liver or whatever it is react and uh, connecting it all together. But it, that's an interesting thing. Like, If you were to grow a set of organs in space, could you then use those set of organs for experimentation or something like that without mm. having to expose an actual human to it? That's a really interesting way of thinking about it. I hadn't really thought about before. But tell me, how is this experiment, these experiments being, how are they being performed? Okay, that's a brilliant little question right there. So these, the way that they're being performed is, as I mentioned, these tiny 10 by 10 by 10 centimeter cubes, right? So these... Mm. So these these are developed. These are called little cube labs, innovatively named, uh, and they're produced by a company called Space Tango. And Space Tango have got about forty two. I like the name Space Tango. I like right, I right. like the name Tangoing awesome. in space. There we go. Um, so Space Tango have got forty two different cube labs up there in space, and the idea is that you can, as a researcher, send your experiment in a little cube lab and install it in the International Space Station. And each one of these acts as an independent little mini experiment. Right. So they can and you can regulate the environment of your experiment via the web and it requires very little astronaut interaction. And as we know, um, astronaut time on space is is very limited and is very expensive. And also space in the International Space Station is actually very limited itself. So if we can do 42 experiments in that space, as opposed to one really intensive experiment that requires a lot of astronaut time, and that's a huge advantage in terms of price, but also the amount of science that we can do on station without compromising anything else. Mm. So the key here really is industrialization, efficiency, and speed, and commercialization of experimentation so we could do more so we can learn faster in space with space yeah exactly i think that that's actually a really good point as well mate and the other thing as well because it is significantly cheaper to use a little cube lab as opposed to using a you know uh, actually sending a full-scale experiment up there you can take more risks because you don't have as much capital invested into it like obviously we're talking when we're talking about growing organs in space etc those are very high flying ambitions right we're very very far from that when we're, we're nowhere close to be perfectly honest with it but it means that we can at least start these small experiments that maybe will be the seed that will then grow into a massive industry. And if it fails, it fails. But we've at least tried it. As Whereas previously and beforehand, without these little 
innovative solutions, we wouldn't have been able to try those things before. Mm, exactly. When are we going to see the results? I want to know. Like when oh, people must be interested. When are the results going to come out? Yeah, so I did a lot of research trying to find out exactly when these results are going to be released. And I actually really struggled. Um, so the experiment itself finished around April sort of time. And since then, they've just been in the write-up stage. And that's when I last checked on the NASA website where they'd keep a track of like all the experiments which are up there and what publications have been produced from them, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so as of yet, it's unknown. Uh, but I hope that we get some sort of results fairly soon because it would be really interesting to see whether this is A, viable. And if it is viable, what are the next stages? What's the next step? to be able to grow because obviously um, as you kind of alluded to there's a lot of people who are going to be waiting for organ transplants and there's you know and if a company can start marketing or patenting the technology which is used to be able to grow organs then there's a lot of potential for money to come into that industry and then all which is you know a little bit of a it's a little bit of a double controversial issue. topic to say yes, double issue, but, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But then also, if that company is able to produce the money and therefore, and then after that, it leads to the organs being produced in space. And that's ultimately something that they, that's a good thing, right? Like we can do, we could grow organs in space without the need for humans or sacrificing human lives or animal lives for that matter. Mm, uh, mm, and yeah. But people can still get treated, which Di would be awesome. Diabetes, heart disease, congenital abnormalities. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm, fantastic. Fantastic. That'd be really cool. Mm. I think the other thing that we need to solve as well, though, which obviously would be a much later along the line experiment, is that, okay, say you've produced your heart in space. Does this space heart actually work? Does it work in the same way as a human heart works? Will How are you going to get it down to the ground? And obviously going down to the ground, uh, there's a lot of Gs generally involved in re-entry, depending upon which vehicle that you're going down. Is, it depends upon the quality of the ride that you get as you do. Temperature yep. changes that may occur. And will that organ still be viable on its way down? So those are all questions that need to kind of be answered a little bit later along the line. Mm -hmm. But yeah, certainly the price usually of launches and re-entries were quite expensive previously, but with the introduction of reusable rockets and spacecraft, yep. and that's going to yep. be coming down. So maybe that's not as quite a ludicrous thing that it may have been considered sometime in the past. It's actually something that, you know, maybe in 20, 30 years time may actually be more science fact rather than science fiction. There we go. There we go. So obviously there's a huge amount of potential in this if it works, but I'm interested in this lab in a box thing. Talk okay. to me about how they have managed to do an experiment in a cube, which is 10 by 10 by 10. That's, that's pretty small. It's a tiny little thing. And if I'm honest, I don't even know the exact details of what, of what they're doing. They've essentially sent um, a bunch of stem cells up there, adding a few different molecules to them and uh, seeing what happens is essentially how what I understand of the experiment. Now, I'm sure we're going to get a huge amount of comments telling me I'm absolutely <laughs> wrong. But if that is the case... <laughs> Come on the podcast and explain it to us. Come. That would be absolutely amazing. You're Come welcome. along, explain it, and uh, and let's teach people about it and engage people. That would be blooming amazing to be able to do that. But yeah, these experiments as are essentially just controlled from the ground, minimal astronaut input. They're completely sealed within themselves as they need to be. They kind of just plug in, do their thing, and when they finish, they upload the data back down to the ground as needed, mm. and uh, they're replaced. That's, yeah. And that's just beautiful, I think. It, really, it is. Really it, it is. It's science at its best. The next thing I'm thinking about is you've got up to 42 cube labs you mentioned uh, mm. up on on the space station actually there. But who's operating them? Surely it's going to be the astronauts and there's a limited amount of astronauts up there. So that's going to be a lot of hard work, is it not? 
So that's the beauty of these things, because these things are all running independently, mainly by themselves in these little tiny boxes. Okay. So they actually require very minimal astronaut input, which is what, so therefore astronauts can then go and do the more day-to-day routine tasks, maintaining the station, other scientific experiments, which do require a little bit more hands-on time. But the idea is that it does these do these things and upload the data and do everything you need it to do from the ground. Um, and that's pretty amazing. I automated think. experiments. The next thing is going to be automated analyzing of the results. Absolutely, yeah. But also, if you've got less astronauts working on it, that means less humans working on that experiment and less opportunities for, for screw-ups. Yep. Because, you know, astronauts, even though they're superhuman to the majority of us, they are still human. human you know? And they do. And they do make mistakes yep. and uh, and you can't count for everything. And uh, if it, we do automate our experiments for a little bit better, maybe we can improve the results of mm. our experiments as well. Faster, cheaper, more commercial, exciting experiments so we can fail fast, we can learn fast, and we can do things, we can do more things up in space. And we can move fast so we can get That's through it. it quicker. That's if we can there learn fast. Thank you so much, Rohan, for sharing that story. Definitely, there's a lot of science behind that. I'm going to be doing a lot more reading on that, and hopefully the, the viewers at home um, have, have enjoyed that. I, I certainly did. Yeah, no, that's not an issue at all, mate. And thank you very much for having for allowing me to just... Uh... Just explore that a little bit more. And also to the viewers, let us know what you think. Do you like these short little snippets of information, you know, 20, 21 minute episode? Or do you prefer the sort of longer things? Or do you like both of them? Just let us know. That's it. Once again, thank you very much for tuning in to the Aerospace Medicine Podcast. Hey everyone, thanks for downloading and listening to our podcast. We hope that you gained a lot from it. And if you'd like to hear some more stuff like this, much more, make sure you subscribe on whichever platform you found this on. And if you like what you heard, drop us a rating too. You can also give us a follow on our social media accounts. We are at Aeromed Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And once again, that's at Aeromed Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Also, we like to hear your feedback. Of course, improve. So let us know your thoughts by emailing us at aerospacemedicinepodcast at gmail.com. That's aerospace medicine podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, though, thanks so much again for listening. Stay safe, keep aiming high, and we will see you very, very soon.